0: I had the same administrative assistant for 16 years in a previous church. And so through the years, I got to know her grandson, who would pop into the office, play with her typewriter, say hello to Grandma. And he was someone that had a very challenging childhood. His, he was born to his mother very young age, and his birth father never became involved in his life. But he was surrounded by lots of love from his grandparents. They lived nearby, so they supported in any way they could. He had a lot in common with his grandfather. They both loved to hunt, they were kind of the strong, silent types, not one to express their feelings much, but uh, seemed strong in character. I watched him grow through the years from his early elementary days to teenager and then to age 20. And then After being in a relationship with a young lady for a year, they broke up, and that evening he decided to end his life with his hunting rifle. It was a tragic, tragic event. Something that caught all of us off guard because he didn't seem to have any uh, previous history of any mental imbalance. Uh, He was hardworking, had a good job. Lots of friends, and certainly was surrounded by lots of love from his family. But apparently, he had invested so much of his self worth in that relationship that when it ended, he lost all hope. Funeral was a very difficult one, because at least from us looking in, the reality on the outside seems such a polar opposite of what he must have been feeling on the inside. And as you can imagine, uh, most of us who've got some life experience know that you look back and at age 20, women will come and go, or boys will come and go, and there's always someone if you're patient enough. So it just was so difficult. He seemed to have so much going for him his whole life ahead of him. Well, unfortunately, there's too many stories like that. How many of you know one su- who has at least attempted suicide? It touches a lot of us. It's it's a very real problem. And the reason that we've included it in this series is because teenagers are especially vulnerable. Their brains are still forming that have the decision-making part that uh, we come to appreciate later on, and so their impulsive behavior is very real. It makes them very vulnerable to complete suicide. The statistics are also somewhat alarming. You know, in our nation, there will be a teen suicide, 11 teen suicides every single day in our country, which is one every two hours and 11 minutes. And every day, there are 3,074 suicide attempts, 3,074. And some recent statistics have us even more concerned. Up until 2010, teen suicide was going down. The educational efforts were working. But from 2010 to 2015, we've seen a rise of some 13%. The best theory we have is it's due to the Coinciding with the rise of social media. It's hard to prove that theory because it's difficult to interview families after a completed suicide. But there does seem to be some correlation that makes some sense. We have cyberbullying, which we've heard of. But in addition to that, when you get on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, it seems we always put the idealized person of ourselves on there. And so when you spend so much of your time in that reality, that virtual reality, it seems to be a sharp contrast to the reality of a teenager's life. So it's a real concern. I've also noticed there's lots of shame and guilt that go along with suicide. For those that are left behind, there's that challenge of of wondering, I should have done something, I should have seen something, I should have known. And you carry that guilt with you. If you have that guilt, I I hope that you'll know that the only good way to grieve is to know that that person is responsible for their actions and their choices. You cannot be God. You cannot get into their brain and understand how they're processing life, and you're not the only influence that they have in their life, so please do not carry that burden around with you. There's also a certain amount of shame because there seems to be that belief carried by some that goes back to some ancient Catholic thinking that there that suicide is the unforgivable sin modern Catholics uh, don't share that belief but still it seems to be a myth that's carried on I get asked that question frequently in my ministry and it's kind of based on the the thinking of sin as being very materialistic and in the belief that God does not allow sin into heaven and also the belief that all sin must be confessed before it can be forgiven. So if you have completed suicide, you've committed the sin of murder, and since you do not have the opportunity to confess that sin, then it cannot be forgiven. Modern Catholics do understand that, that God realizes that when someone completes suicide, typically they do not have full control of their emotional and psychological well-being. So it's important that we teach our kids that life is sacred. It is always sacred. And your life belongs not just to yourself, but it belongs to God. And He has plans for you. He has a purpose for you. When you take that life, you're violating the dreams that God has for you. Now, what can we learn from the Bible about suicide? When, when I did my survey, I discovered that there's a lot written. About suicide. And, and, and I would start right here in Romans 8 and, and say that, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not life nor death. Not angels or rulers. Not things present or things future. And I would say that also includes suicide. Now, you probably are aware of at least one person who committed suicide, right? Any guesses? Yeah, Judas Iscariot. One of the disciples. We know that he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and later hung himself. Some suggest that because he betrayed our Lord that he must be in hell, but there are others that raise some pretty good questions. They take note that that Judas was most likely a zealot, part of that political persuasion that was hoping to overthrow the Roman government so that Israel could be free once again. And many believe that Judas may have been trying to force Jesus' hand believing that he is the Son of God, that he had the power to help start that revolution. So by pushing him and sharing his location, he might be helping that to happen. In addition, others point out that his suicide is a sign of his regret, a sign of his repentance. We'll leave it up to God to make that choice, that decision. But did you realize that there are six other suicides Mentioned in the Bible? I won't take time to go through all of them, but King Saul and his armor bearer, once they saw the political and military defeat they were about to experience, took their own lives rather than suffer at the hands of their enemy. Samson pushed away the pillars that brought a building down upon himself and his enemies. So it was an act of heroism as well as the time that he took his own life. And then the three remaining names are kings who were facing military and political defeat And did not want to face the shame that would come with it. And so they took their own lives. In addition to that, if you read the book of Job or the book of Jonah, you'll discover both of those characters share very suicidal thoughts. Wanting to die, have their lives taken away. And then if you read some of the Psalms, the Psalms of Lament, Lamentations, you'll see that often... Depressive thinking is shared because it is the first step to finding the faith that they need to crawl out of the hole that they are in. The bottom line is the Bible is very frank about suicide as well as many other subjects that we tend to think are taboo. So do not think that just talking about suicide might bring about suicide. That's a good spot to have Tom Shriver come up. Tom is one of our Directors of student ministry, which makes him a pretty, pretty good expert in, in youth to begin with. But in addition to that, Tom has spent some time with Chausie's Place and has received some very comprehensive training in suicide prevention. He's going to share some of that with us now.
1: Well, good morning. First of all, I wanted to thank you guys for being here today. Uh, some of you may not have known the topic. Some of you may have known. But either way, it, it's an easy one to skip. It's an easy one to say, you know what, this is too tough. I'm not going to come, but it's an important topic, so I'm really glad you're here. As Jerry said, my name is Tom Shriver. I have briefly served at Chaussie's Place in a program called Lifelines. Chaucy's Place is a child advocacy organization dedicated to preventing child sexual abuse and youth suicide, and Lifelines is kind of the youth suicide portion of that. It's a comprehensive, evidence-based youth suicide prevention program that really seeks to create a competent community, typically within schools, sometimes churches, other nonprofit organizations as well to prevent teen suicide. So in our state, in Indiana, nearly one in five kids has seriously contemplated suicide. That means you can go down this hall here, and before you exit, you can turn left and go into that high school Sunday school room, and one in five of those kids statistically has thought about taking their life. Same thing if you go past the nursery down the hall, turn right into the bye rooms. One in five of those middle schoolers statistically has thought about taking their life. Suicide in our state is the second leading cause of death among our residents ages 10 to 14. At any time I talk about teens and suicide, kind of as Jerry mentioned, this question comes up. Can talking about suicide plant the idea in the minds of vulnerable teens? And the answer is no. Suicide is a tragic reality in the lives of our students. Jerry did an exercise where he had people raise their hands to see if they've been affected. If we do that in a common high school or middle school classroom, 75% of those students are going to put their hands in the air because so many people are affected by suicide. So the issue is not whether or not suicide should be talked about, but rather how it should be talked about. So rather than letting teens learn from each other and from the media, it's helpful for us to frame discussion in a way that helps them to recognize risk, especially in their peers, identify ways that they can express their concerns, And then, most importantly, report those concerns to adults in their lives that they can trust. So when we look at these warning signs and ways that we can recognize risk, I like to bring up facts. Facts is a helpful acrostic that breaks it down into five different categories. F is feelings, A is actions, C is changes, T is threats, and that's the important one, S is situations. This is not a foolproof set of indicators. Keep that in mind. Except for the category with the T, the threats category, they may just indicate that a youth is troubled. But troubled youth are more likely to complete suicide. And context is crucial, okay? Ask yourself, are you seeing a drastic change from typical behavior? One of the ways that we can you know, easily see that drastic change is if we're looking at artistic expression. If you have a teenager or you are a teenager and you really like to, to draw and you know, do paintings and landscapes and their comics are happy and colorful, and all of a sudden that shifts to ominous and dark portraits depicting you know, death and destruction and things like that, that's a pretty obvious drastic change, right? The same thing with poetry and songwriting. If, if I'm writing songs about the girl I like and all of a sudden those turn into to songs about how life has no point anymore, stuff like that. Those are the really easy drastic changes to see, but a lot of times we kind of overlook them. If we're parents or if we're friends, we'll say, oh, you know, it's just a stage, they're going through it, whatever. But it's always worth asking about. If you don't have a sense of immediacy created by a specific threat or ideation, still talk with the child and listen. Listening is very, very important. And then you report your concerns. And whether you are a student or an adult, no matter what, don't be afraid. Do something, because doing something is always better than doing nothing at all. So that brings us to our first one, the F, which is feelings. Hopelessness. This is the most common feeling associated with suicide attempts. After suicide attempts, when you ask, hey, how are you feeling? Why did did you do this? People bring up hopelessness. They felt hopeless. Worthlessness. Feeling anxious, worried, or angry all the time. Actions, drug or alcohol abuse. This is a big one because suicide can often be something that's that's easier to do when you're a bit impulsive, and drug and alcohol, you know, lower inhibitions and make you a little bit more impulsive. Aggression and recklessness are a couple of the action categories as well. Changes, we're looking for changes that we can't necessarily explain really easily, right? Drastic changes in personality, behavior, sleeping patterns, and eating habits. If your kid comes to one of Janelle and I's lockouts and they have trouble sleeping the next couple days because we kept them up until 4 AM, you know, that, that's probably not suicidal thought, right? That, that's probably because we kept them up a little bit too late and they're readjusting. Or if your kid wrestles, maybe you're a wrestler and you have to try to make weight. And so you're eating a little bit differently to make weight. You know, that, that's stuff that we can explain. So context, again, is critical. Threats, and just like I mentioned, these are the real red lights. This is stop, get help immediately. You want to intervene immediately. And these include a desire to hurt or kill themselves. They have a plan or are seeking access to lethal means. And when we say lethal means, that just means anything you can use to take your life. Some examples, maybe you overhear your kid or your friend, and they're, and they're talking about ways to kill themselves. Or maybe they're just Googling it. You check their Google search history and you see that they've been looking for that kind of stuff in, in the search engine. Even if it's in a joking manner, right? If you do it bad on a test, a kid does bad on a test and they say, oh, you know, that's did so bad, I'm going to kill myself. Kids say that stuff jokingly a lot, and a lot of times it is just a joke. But sometimes it's serious and they use humor to mask those feelings. So no matter what, anytime you see any of those three things, we need to intervene immediately. Don't leave the child alone. Don't leave your friend alone. If there's immediate danger, call 911. And threats, no matter how vague, or if the child gives you the sense through conversation or behavior that they're thinking about suicide, take action. The last one is situations. This can include trouble at school, home, or with the law, recent loss, exposure to suicide or death. Recent loss is one that we're seeing come up more and more with our elementary age kids, fourth and fifth grade and lower. Parents may pass away and the kid... You know, says, I just want to be with mommy. I just want to be with daddy. And it kind of gets them in that mindset. Exposed to suicide or death is important now, too, because Jerry mentioned social media, right? Media in general. There are shows like 13 Reasons Why, or anytime time a celebrity takes their life and it gets glorified on TV. Even if it doesn't seem really glamorous, they're still getting news reports, right? So, you know, if you're thinking about it and you say, oh, look how much attention they're getting. That could be me, right? So, exposed to suicide or death doesn't have to be somebody you know. What do you do when you observe these warning signs in a child? There are really only two options. And one is to get help from resources in your community. And two is to talk to the child, sit and listen. And do that if you're comfortable, but that's a really good thing to do. I'm more than happy to share some of those resources with you or or talk to you about how to have that conversation, because we should have it, and it should be a preventative conversation like sex, drugs, and alcohol. We should talk about suicide. The more we talk about it, the more we can be open about it, the less we have to hide it, the more kids with these feelings can let them out. And I'm I'm hoping that you guys saw on your action card we're having that one-hour presentation on March 14th at 7 right in Wesley Hall. Uh, One hour really can save a life. They call suicide the most preventable cause of death, and it just takes an hour to learn everything you need to know about it. Thank you very much for your time today.
0: Could you help me thank Tom? That's that's a lot of information in a short amount of time. As Tom said, it's so important to seek help. Don't try to handle this by yourself. Sometimes uh, getting a little